If your Bibles, go ahead and open to Galatians chapter number 5. Galatians chapter number 5, and we're going to continue uh, our series on By His Spirit. And in fact, we studied this passage last week, and we talked about the fruit of the Spirit being an internal fruit. And I believe, were we able to get those copies of the uh, message? Great. If you need a copy of the message, uh, go ahead and just raise your hand. And uh, I'm sorry it was not in the bulletin this morning. We had some trouble with our copy machine, and, uh, but now we, we were able to get them. So we're going to get those passed out as quickly as we can. And uh, so if you need one, uh, you just keep your hand raised. We'll be looking to make eye contact with an usher, and they will get one to you, I promise. And, uh, and while they're doing that, just go ahead and turn to Galatians chapter 5, and we'll be looking at verse number 22. I do want to say that we, uh, we said that we learned a little bit of, about this passage last week. We were talking about the fruit of the Spirit, and we said that a person who is walking uh, by the Spirit is one that's going to have fruit in their life, that uh, he's going to be working in their life and being able to, to produce uh, in them some, uh, some fruit that's going to abound and, and a fruit that's going to be a blessing to others and make us more Christ-like in our life. And so uh, we, we talked about how important that is to understand that. And we, we said that it was an internal fruit, all right, an internal fruit. And we, we talked about how God likes to work from the inside out. Uh, God is not really interested in uh, in uh, behavior modification. He's not just trying to get people to follow some sort of rules uh, on the outward and, and really not change anything on the inside. In fact, God wants the opposite. God says, listen, I, I don't uh, look on just the outside, but I look on the heart of man. And so we talked about how the Spirit of God begins to work in our heart to produce love joy and peace. And as he produces that, it begins to work itself out. And so this morning, we're going to talk about the next three uh, areas there or aspects where the, the Spirit of God begins to work in us. And that is in long-suffering, gentleness, and goodness. And we're going to talk about how that fruit begins to reflect itself in the life of a person. But before we jump into that, let's read the passage. Galatians chapter number 5, verse number 22 and verse number 23, verse 22 and 23 of Galatians chapter number 5. It says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your word. I thank you, Father, that we can have it in our hands even this morning, that we can have it. Uh, Father, to uh, study, uh, that we can have it, Father, to learn of you. And I pray that this morning as we study this passage, I pray that you would speak to our hearts. I pray that the Holy Spirit would fill me this morning, that I would be able to communicate your message. May I communicate it clearly. And I pray that uh, in that communication of your message that we would all respond to it. I pray that by your Spirit we would see areas in our lives, perhaps where the Spirit is not working as He would like, and that we would uh, show forth this fruit and give more control uh, to the Holy Spirit and walk by the Spirit of God. Father, I pray that you would just work in our hearts this morning, and I ask this in Jesus' name, amen.
this night infinitely holy your perfection knows no end selflessly you died my rightful death by this we know love that he laid down his life god's very own son came from heaven to die suspended he hung as he shed his own blood with grace in his pardon by this we know love forsaken man of sorrow man you willingly surrendered for my sin scornfully derided yet in silence stumbling on bearing wrath for all that i've done wrong by this we know love that he laid down his life god's very own son from heaven to die suspended he hung as he shed his own blood for grace in his part by this we know love suspended as he shed his own blood what grace in his pardon by this we know The fruit of the Spirit of God is the work in which the Holy Spirit takes the Word of God and begins to mold us into the image of the Son of God. Now, I said before, and I'll say again this morning, that this work happens from the inside out. God begins to work on the heart of a person, then that heart begins to overflow and you'll see actions come out from the overflow of that heart being changed by God, being worked out from the Spirit of God in them. Now, I do want to say that it is important to have an inward work that the Holy Spirit is doing. It's so important because that's the root of everything. Uh, we studied last week how love, joy, and peace is the root by which God begins to mold us and make us into the image of Christ. It's the inward attitude. But let me just say, as the Holy Spirit begins to work on your heart and begins to mold you in those three areas, it should begin to reflect in what you do. There are people that believe that, well, it really doesn't matter how I act or how I behave because God knows my heart. And as long as my intentions are right and okay, then that's all that matters. 
But you'll notice that in the passage that we're studying today, there's that fruit of the Spirit that looks at the internal work of the Holy Spirit. But then there's always also the outward work of that Holy Spirit. What is reflected from what is inside of us, from what we do. I uh, heard a story of the Korean Airlines flight KE-007, and uh, that flight was famous because in September uh, 1st of 1983, it was shot down by Soviet fighter jets. What was interesting about that occasion or that incident was that the pilot that was the trigger man for the Soviet fighter jet that eventually, of course, uh, brought down that commercial airline and killed 240 innocent passengers just because they had gone into Soviet airspace by accident. That person, that pilot that, that pulled the trigger there to bring them down was a pilot that was on duty that night uh, by accident almost. Uh, he was there because the very next day he was going to be speaking at his daughter's school. And uh, because he was going to be speaking at the school in the morning, he asked if he could really, uh, if he could be on uh, the night shift and, and work that night, and that way he wouldn't have to work in the daytime and be able to go and give that speech at his daughter's school. The thing is, is that the speech that he was going to give at his daughter's school was about how to maintain peace in the world. There was a disconnect, though, in that pilot's mind and life. See, the next day he was going to go talk about peace, but the night before he was gunning down a commercial airline with 240 innocent passengers. At some point, what we say with our mouth needs to be acted out in our body. Uh, at some point in your life, what the Holy Spirit is doing in your heart should be seen on the actions that we do in what we uh, carry on in our life. And so this morning, I want you to notice as we studied the fruit of the Spirit, we said there is an internal working, it's an internal fruit, but I want you to notice this morning in your notes, it's an external fruit as well. It is an external fruit as well. You'll notice that the three next aspects, long-suffering, gentleness, and goodness, are all outwardly expressed. They're all something that others can see, though others can also see love, joy, and peace. That's really an inward action in your heart because you can have that no matter what your circumstances and uh, when others can see that uh, things are going rough in your life or whether they're, they, they see that everything going great in your life, uh, that love, joy, and peace is not always easily seen just by what happens in the circumstances of your life. But this of long-suffering, gentleness, and goodness is something uh, that can be seen readily from others. It's a, a, fr a fruit of the Spirit that is produced on the outside. Uh, like I said, as an overflow of what the Holy Spirit has already done inside a person's heart. It's something that is clearly seen and felt by others. And so when you are walking in the Spirit, you'll notice that, first of all, one of the external fruits that uh, you can show to others is this of long-suffering. Now, long-suffering is important because, listen, it is through long-suffering that we can have influence over other people. God wants us to be a light. If you remember Matthew chapter 5, verse 16, Jesus told his disciples, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. So there's something that God wants us to be, and that is a light, something different, something that people can see. And now if you're going to be that light, one of the keys 
to being that light is this area of long-suffering. It is what gives you the influence over others. You say, now, how does that happen? Well, just look at the definition of long-suffering. Long-suffering means to be patient with, to forbear. It's a compound word in the Greek from two words. Makros, which means long, and thumos, which means temper or wrath. So in other words, it literally means someone who is long or slow to getting tempered or angry. Someone who is slow to wrath. That's what long-suffering is. It's being patient with people. Someone said it this way. Long-suffering is that quality of self-restraint in the face of provocation which does not hastily retaliate or promptly punish. In other words, it's holding myself back when I have all the right to say what I want to say. When I have all the right to pay back what someone has done to me, long-suffering is saying, you're going to be patient and not do such. It's not retaliating. You see, when we're slow to wrath and we're patient with others, we're able to show them the love that we have in our heart. One way that we show that love, that joy, that peace is through long-suffering, by being patient with others. You see, our words become more, uh, uh, more than just simply ideas. Uh, they begin to reflect in our actions what we really feel and who we really are. Notice there in your notes, 1 Corinthians 13, verse 4, it says, Charity or love suffereth long. In other words, that's the same word, is long-suffering and is kind. Charity or love envieth not, it vaunteth not itself, it's not puffed up. We find that long-suffering shows the love that we have. And listen, there's no greater influence that you can have over somebody than showing them that you care for them and that you love them. You know, as parents, there's, there's nothing greater and no greater responsibility that we have to our children to show them that we love them, to care for them. As brothers and sisters, that's what we have. We are to be long-suffering. We're to be patient with one another. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 2, Paul here is talking to the Christians in Ephesus, and he writes this. He says, With all lowliness and meekness, with long-suffering, forbearing one another in love. He was talking about how they ought to treat one another. And anyone that's walking in the Spirit knows the importance of this idea of long-suffering. Paul said, listen, if you're going to maintain unity, if you're going to maintain the love between one person and another, it's all going to be with this of being long-suffering or being patient with others. The example that Jesus gives us, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 23, it says of Jesus who, when he was reviled, reviled not again. When he suffered, he threatened not, but committed himself to him that judges Right, righteously. One thing that we see about Jesus is that he was very much long-suffering. He was patient. That's why he had the influence that he was able to have. He wasn't here to just judge everybody and tell everybody why they were wrong and, and how they were wicked before God. But Jesus' purpose, he says, I came to seek and to save that which was lost. I, I was here to have long-suffering, to be patient with people. And the influence that Jesus had well, was through the fact that he was willing to be patient with people, to love people. This morning, if you're going to have uh, the outflow of the Holy Spirit in your life, one of the results of that, the external fruit, is the fact of how you're going to be patient with people. And yes, may I say, that includes how you are at work tomorrow. 
It's amazing how long-suffering we are when everything is going right. It's amazing how patient we can be with our husband or our wife when everything is going the way we think it should go. But patience is not measured in the times when everything is going right. It's measured in the times when things go wrong. It's measured in the time when you didn't get the grade that you thought you should get. It happens in the times when someone does something to you or says something to you that you didn't think should have been said or done. Patience is measured in those times. Can I encourage you this morning? This week, as you go through the week, there's going to be times where you're going to have to be long-suffering. And let me just say, it's something that you're going to battle with every day of your life. Long-suffering is something that you're going to have to be because let me tell you something. Our human nature needs, has no, no, uh, no want to be patient with people. No desire whatsoever. We want things done our way right away. I don't know about you, but I, I sometimes have that as a parent. You, you feel like, well, I've, t- I've already told this four-year-old at least twice. And it's hard sometimes to be patient. But you know, when you're patient with people, it shows them that you love them, and, it, and it's a way in which you begin to gain influence with people. One of the things that the fruit of Spirit does, it helps us to have influence over others through this of long-suffering. But I also want you to notice that it's not only a way in which we influence others, but it's a way in which others are allowed to grow. I know there are some that are here this morning that, that work as coaches with uh, Little League teams. And uh, it, it's interesting because no matter if you're in Little League coaching or if you're on the high school level or the college level or even the professional level, this of long-suffering is such an important uh, aspect of coaching. Because usually the first practice doesn't go exactly right. And usually the first game, not every player plays perfectly. And it's interesting, when you have a very young team, no matter what, whatever level you're, you're coaching at, when you have a young team with very little experience, usually the, the, the coach always says, well, I just got to be patient with my team. And the reason he's got to be patient with his team is because it's through that patience that the team begins to grow. That, that quarterback begins to read uh, the defenses a little bit better. It's, it's in that, that patience with that uh, point guard that he begins to, to see the court a little bit better. And you give them time to start maturing in their level of play. But you know, that principle doesn't just apply on the side of sports. It also applies on the side of relationships. Do you know that we ought to allow time for our spouse to grow. Long-suffering is something that says, listen, I, I know my husband is not perfect and I'm going to be patient with him. I'm going to be long-suffering. I know my wife isn't perfect yet, so I'm just going to be patient with it. And know that God's going to work in her life just like God is working in my life. And it's so important for us to understand this morning that we need to have that in our life. You need to have this kind of long-suffering and allow others to grow. I like what uh, in, uh, Paul wrote to the Christians in Galatia, uh, Christians that he had won to the Lord, Christians that he had invested much time in. And I want you to notice what he writes to them. He says, My little children of whom I travail in birth again until Christ be formed in you. You know what Paul was saying? 
He's saying, listen, I'm just going to be patient. I know you got a little bit of sidetracked and what was happening there in the church of Galatia was that these false teachers were saying, no, listen, it's not good enough just to have faith in Christ. That's not where salvation is. Salvation comes by doing good works and salvation uh, comes by uh, fulfilling certain ceremonies and rituals. And, and Paul was telling them, no, 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 that's not salvation. Salvation is Christ alone. Faith in him alone, plus, my, uh, plus uh, nothing and minus nothing. Christ alone. But this wasn't the first time Paul was telling them. That's why Paul wrote and said, I, I travail as, as a person in birth, uh, giving birth, as a woman giving birth again. And I'm going to continue until Christ be formed in you. That's long-suffering. Being patient long enough to let people grow. As parents, let me challenge you one more time in this area with your children. Can I say it's not good enough just to pray one time in the week before they go to bed? It ought to be a practice that we have every night before they go to bed. It's not good enough just to read the Bible once a week as a family. It should be something you have to do every day over and over and over again. Why, you say? Because we need to be patient so that God can begin to grow. Sometimes, let me, let me encourage you, a parent, maybe you're a parent of a teenager, Maybe you're seeing some things in that teenager right now at the age of 13 or 14 and, and you see a little bit of a rebellious attitude. Uh, can I say the answer isn't always to just rip their face off uh, and getting uh, onto them at every moment and every chance you get. Sometimes you just got to sort of put your arm around them and say, it's okay, I love you. It doesn't mean you let them get away with something, but it does mean that you need to be patient with them. Sometimes you have little children. I got a four-year-old and a two-year-old, and, and this is something that they try me on every day, it seems like, on just being patient with them, being slow to wrath and anger. But I've noticed if, if you do that, if you're willing to be long-suffering, they'll begin to grow. You'll begin to see how uh, God begins to work in their life. And, and, uh, and, and having long-suffering in our life just helps for any relationship to grow your relationship with one another, as well as their relationship and your relationship with God. Aren't you glad that God is patient? The Bible says in Exodus chapter 34 and verse number 6 that God is long-suffering. And I'm thankful that God isn't just strike me down every time I mess up. God is one that is patient with me. You see, this fruit of long-suffering will manifest itself in your home as well as in your workplace. So as you walk in the Spirit, you'll become patient with people. That helps you to have influence with others. That, that shows them your love and it allows them to grow. But I want you to notice another aspect of this external fruit that the Spirit produces. Not only long-suffering, but He then produces gentleness in our life. Gentleness in our life. Gentleness signifies uh, not just goodness or good works, but the quality that's behind it. The heart that is behind the action, if you will. Uh, when we are gentle, we're being kind toward one another. All right? Long-suffering is to be patient with others. Gentleness is to be kind to others. Now, I want you to notice, first of all, the example of Jesus in this area. Jesus was one who was kind even to those who hated him. Even to those who would not follow him, those that would not listen to him. Uh, Jesus was always one that showed kindness to others. 
I think of the story of uh, the woman that wanted to worship Jesus and gave all that she had on this, on this perfume that she bought. And she goes and she pours it on Jesus' feet. And I want you to notice in Luke chapter 7, that story, I think it's in your notes. Luke, the author of the story, writes this. He says, And behold, a woman in the city which was a sinner, when she knew that Jesus sat at meat in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster box of ointment and stood at his feet behind him weeping and began to wash his feet with tears and did wipe them with the hairs of her head and kissed his feet and anointed them with the ointment. We see this woman who was a sinner, the Bible says. That means she wasn't one that was living after God, not one that was living uh, in a way that was well-pleasing to God, but seeing Christ and seeing what he had done for her and seeing uh, that he was one that had changed her life and transformed her life. She buys this alabaster of ointment, this, this perfume, and she goes and breaks the bottle and, be, and she pours it on his feet. And weeping, she begins to wash his feet with it. It's amazing to me that Jesus didn't react as the Pharisee in that story. If you read verse 39 and verse 40, the Pharisee said, well, if this Jesus was a prophet, he would know who it is that is you know, washing his feet. How dare he let someone like that do that? The Pharisees were one, uh, were, were, were people that didn't show a whole lot of kindness. They showed a whole lot of arrogance and a whole lot of pride and they thought they were so much holier than everybody and so much better than everyone and, and their influence was very little on people because of that. But you'll notice that Jesus was not like that at all. Jesus didn't say, oh, you're just a sinner. Just leave me alone. No. Jesus showed kindness to her. Jesus showed to them that she was one that was precious in his sight. Someone that was important to him. And can I say this morning that you are important to God. You are someone that matters to God this morning. God is not one that is looking at you trying to say, look what you're doing wrong, look what you're doing wrong, look what you're doing wrong. Jesus is looking to say, why don't you come unto me, all ye that are burdened and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Jesus is one that's looking for those that will just come to him so that he might show kindness unto them. It's amazing when you look at the example of Jesus. He was one that always showed uh, uh, that, that kind of compassion in Matthew 23, he talks about the city of Jerusalem. And he says, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, thou that killest the prophets and stonest them which are sent unto thee. He said, How often I would have gathered thy children together, even as a hen gathereth her chickens under her wings, and you would not. They rejected Jesus. They rejected his teaching, and yet his kindness never faltered. He never said, Okay, well, Jerusalem, if you don't want me, then, then I hope destruction comes to you. I can't wait to see what's going to happen to you because of this. No, Jesus didn't have that kind of heart. And can I say, someone that's walking in the Spirit does not have that kind of heart. Someone walking in the Spirit does not act in that kind of manner. You know, there would be a whole lot less problems in church if there were more Christians that just had kindness one towards another. There was more Christians that would just have gentleness. Christians that were not like this five-year-old that I heard about. He's a five-year-old that was playing with his two-year-old brother and 
Suddenly, this two-year-old brother, as they were playing, reached up and grabbed the five-year-old by the hair and just yanked on it. Of course, the five-year-old screamed in pain, and as he was screaming in pain, the mom rushed into the room, and she said, what, what happened? What happened? And he said, well, uh, my brother, he, he was pulling my hair. And she said, well, he's only two years old, and he really doesn't know what it's like to have his hair pulled. So just, you know, calm down. It's okay. She left the room, and just a few seconds later, she heard screaming. This time, it was the two-year-old. She runs right back into the room. She said, what, what happened? What happened? And the five-year-old said, well, you said that he didn't know what it felt like to have his hair pulled, but now he does. <laughs> you know, sometimes we're like that. Sometimes if you're not careful, you'll have no kindness in your heart. You'll want to repay right away because of what someone did to you. Listen, we don't need that in your life, in our life, in our churches as Christians, we ought to show kindness to others. We ought to show the kindness uh, and that gentleness that God expects of us. So we see the example of Jesus and we see the expression of gentleness. The expression of gentleness. Ephesians 4.32 And be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. You see, we express with words, gentleness, and kindness, but we also show it with our actions. Let me ask you something. How do you treat somebody that's less fortunate than you? You know, teenagers, sometimes I've been in schools, and even in Christian schools, not just public schools, where I've seen young girls be very unkind to other girls, making fun of their looks and making fun of their grades, or they're not as smart as someone else. Make fun of their athletic abilities. I've seen this happen time and time again, and I wish I could say it only happens in high schoolers, but you know, it also happens in adults many times. Many times the problems that a pastor has to face is because there's one Christian in the, in the flock there in the church that is not being very kind to another person. Can I say that the expression of gentleness is one that not just has words, but has actions behind it, that has a heart behind it. Psalm chapter 19, verse 14, the psalmist said, Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. You know, that's the kind of kindness we ought to show or gentleness we ought to show. It's not just, well, I did this and it was nice for somebody. Okay, I'm glad you did. But what kind of heart did you have behind it? Kindness is more than just doing something nice for someone. But it's the attitude that's behind it. It's doing it with love. It's doing it with compassion. It's, it's expressing it with gentleness. I want you to notice that the external fruit that the Spirit begins to produce in our life is long-suffering. It's gentleness, but it's also goodness. It's also goodness. Now, goodness here uh, is a word meaning to do good in a moral and righteous sense. Here it is actually to do the action. Kindness was there, the heart behind that action, doing something good with this kind of heart behind it of love. But goodness is the action itself, doing something that's right, morally right. 
something that is righteous. Now, I want you to notice something about this, that this work is a work that is a supernatural work. None of us are born with goodness. None of us are born with the idea that we want to do what is morally right or do what is righteous in any way. There's nothing in us, as Romans 3.12 says, that are good. It says in Romans 3.12, they are all gone out of the way. They are together become unprofitable. There is none that doeth good, no, not one. You know that our natural state and the way we are born isn't to do goodness, but it's to do evil. Goodness is that other side of the coin in gentleness. Gentleness is perhaps, like I said, the disposition, the heart behind helping and encouraging someone. But goodness would be to help someone in a way that's a little bit more stern. Now, as I said before, as we as parents, we we train our kids and sometimes we have to use this fruit of the spirit called goodness. Sometimes you have to be a little bit more stern and say, listen, you can't do that. Usually with a little child, you, you're telling them where they, uh, what they can play with in the home and what they cannot. The vases and decorations that mom has put up aren't toys to play with. And sometimes you have to tell them, no, you can't do that. Put that down. Don't get near that. Don't pick that up. And you have to be a little bit stern about it. You know, it's the same thing as they grow older as parents. Sometimes we have to do that. We, we just have to do that in a stern way. And goodness has this idea. You know, Jesus was one that did that. Do you remember the time when the Bible talks about Jesus who went into the temple and he saw that there was all kinds of thievery happening. There was all kinds of uh, uh, um, really uh, just entertainment happening that was not worship. The Bible says that he got some cords and he overturned the tables and ran everybody out. And he said, this is a house of prayer and you've made it into a den of thieves. You know what Jesus was displaying there? Goodness. It's being right and doing good in a way that sometimes isn't always pleasant, but it is always right. Goodness is that which we point out to others. And let me just say, it's so important for us to do that. Point out the truth. Others need to understand it. Our natural uh, character does not include goodness. It doesn't have that part in us. Our human nature, our flesh does not want that. Look at Romans chapter 7, verse 18. Paul, speaking of himself, said, For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. For to will is present with me, but how to perform that which is good, I find not. Paul said, listen, I'd like to say that, man, I, I have goodness towards people, but I struggle in that. He said, sometimes the things that I want to do, I just don't do. It's not in my natural state. My flesh sometimes takes over. So if we're going to have goodness in our life, you have to realize it's a supernatural work. It only happens when we're walking by the Spirit of God. Then I want you to notice, secondly, that this of goodness reveals God's goodness to others. John Wesley said this, he says, Do all the good you can, by all the means you can, in all the ways you can, in all the places you can, at all the times you can, to all the people you can for as long as you can. It's so important when it comes to goodness to show that. Show goodness to others because it reflects 
God's goodness in your life. Matthew 5, 16, I remind you, he says, do these good works, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. The goal of goodness is to glorify God. It's to bring others to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. And that's what goodness does. Being good is what we are on the inside. Doing good is what people see on the outside. As you start to live by the, the fruit of the Spirit, when you walk in the Spirit, one of, that, uh, one of the fruits that He gives is this of being good, having goodness in our life. And others can see that. Hebrews 10, 24 says, And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works. Romans 12, 21 says, Be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. The Bible teaches us this morning there are some external fruits that God begins to produce as He works in us. Fruits that come from the inside out. As He begins to work on our hearts, giving us love, joy, and peace, we begin to live that out and manifest it with long-suffering, gentleness, and goodness. You'll notice all those have others as the focus. You can only be long-suffering with others. You can only be gentle with others. Goodness can only, only be shown to others. It's an others kind of viewpoint. Not living for what I'm getting and living about my life, but looking for others and to others. I wonder this morning, how is that external fruit working in your life? Is he making you more patient and more kind and more good towards others? Is it something that is working itself out in your life? What are, what are some of the fruits that you could point to from this last week where you were patient with someone? Could someone see Christ in you? Not in the good times, but I'm talking about in the bad times. Not, not seeing what you're doing on Sunday morning, but what you're doing on Monday morning. Could someone see that the fruit of the Spirit is working in you to have long-suffering gentleness and goodness? You know, a number of years ago, the Associated Press released a study that was done by an agricultural school in Iowa. And it reported that production of 100 bushels of corn from one acre of land, I mean, it reported that the production of 100 bushels of corn from one acre of land, in addition to the many hours of the farmer's labor, required 4 million pounds of water, 6,800 pounds of oxygen, 5,200 pounds of carbon, 160 pounds of nitrogen, 125 pounds of potassium, 75 pounds of yellow sulfur, and other elements too numerous to list. They found in that study for just 100 bushels of corn, it required that much. But then the study went on to show that it was estimated that a... a in addition to these, there was rain that was needed and sunshine that was to come out at the right time if you're going to be able to grow all that corn and produce all that fruit. They estimated that only 5% of the produce of a farm can be attributed to the efforts of the farmer. As I read that study, I thought about what we're talking about this morning. 
If you're going to have long-suffering in your life and gentleness and goodness, it's not because you have good self-determination. It's not because you have a lot of discipline. It's not because you're so much better than everyone else. No. If anything, there's 5% effort from you, which is this. I'm going to submit to the Spirit of God. You submit to the Spirit of God, 95% of the work that the Holy Spirit will do will be worked out just because of the decision that you made to say, I want to follow and submit to the Holy Spirit. He begins to produce in you more patience, more kindness, and more goodness to others. So this morning, how surrendered are you to Him? Is the Holy Spirit one who is controlling your life, or is He not? I want to encourage you, this week, make a decision. I just want to walk by the Spirit. Make the decision, I want to show this fruit to others, that they might see my good works and glorify the Father which is in heaven. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your word and thank you for the truth that we find in it. How important it is this morning that we realize that the fruit of the Spirit is one that produces in us a life that is so much more different than everyone else. A life that produces the patience that we need to work with others and the gentleness and kindness that we are to have towards them. Father, just the challenge of being and doing good to others. Father, I pray that as we, as we live our life this week and as we submit to the Spirit of God, I pray that you would help us to have a surrender towards your Spirit. And we live out and practice this kind of fruit and may others see it and glorify our Father in heaven. Father, I pray that you would bless this message. I pray that you would help us to meditate on it and apply it into our lives. And I ask this in Jesus' name, amen.